This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Alrighty. Uh, so... I understand you guys have some character ideas for the new superpower game that uh, we're going to be playing. Yeah. So what do you guys got? I am the fear that stalks criminals in the darkness. I am that fear personified. Uh, alrighty, that that's a little grim for what I'm going for, but but uh, but you know what? I like, like let's just see where Jerry is, and we'll you know we'll figure out from there where we are. Olympian demigod, child of Aphrodite and Heracles. All right, wasn't expecting that, but um, that's definitely a power level uh, different than I was thinking. But again, we can let's let's well let's just you know what let's just keep going and talk a little bit more and get a better feel for your characters. I get a better idea of uh, how we're going to make this work. All right, so Bob, back to you. Um, like, what else do you got? I'm the thing that keeps ne'er do wells awake at night. I steal the sleep of the guilty. All right, all right, pretty intense. I get it. All right. What about Jer? What about you? I have the strength of 10,000 men. I can talk my way out of anything. It would be great. All right. All godly powers. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's a little bit something. I send evil to hell and they cry my name to the devil when they get there. All right. That's again. um, I I think I got that part. I mean, relentlessly dark is what you're going for. Don't worry. I've got a secret identity. Um, I'm going to be the senior tech designer for powered armor industries. So that gives us a lot of options for other things we can do. Yeah. Seems like you can pretty much do it all. Is Bob going to even have room um, in the game? I mean, look, look, I guess what I'm saying is, um, first of all, hmm, let me think if I can let you guys down kind of easy on this. When I said super powered game, like I was kind of shooting for like tweens who get like street level powers and like deal with like middle school hijinks, like a, like a kind of project echo uh, kind of vibe. Um, but like, I don't think either one of these concepts really works um, in that framework. All right, fine. I send bullies to heck. With that, welcome to the 438th episode of the Mr. Tabark podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about expectations and tabletop play, and then head over to the conversation corner, the chat room for life and the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And, of course, I am Old Man Logan. Welcome back to the Misdirected Mark podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are going to run through our temperature check real quick here, see how everybody's feeling and doing here. Phil, how are you? Yes. Well, uh, physically, um, physically, I feel mostly fine. A little tired, a little worn down, nothing nothing terrible. Uh, Just been really busy. Um, So just kind of, you know been busy and burning the candle on both ends so just kind of perpetually tired right now uh mental health wise like i'm not really in a place to talk about too much of it now um i'll talk about more in the community um i'll I'll talk less about it or at least vague about it some more in the community spotlight section of the uh uh at the end community corner thing at the end Mm -hmm. but um i got some stuff going on that's going on um I am healthy, so nobody needs to be worried about that. But like, I'm uh, I'm like dealing with some stuff, and um, 
just kind of, you know, trucking it along. It's uh, it's just going to be like an intense couple of weeks. Um, I will be open to talking about it more uh, in the near future. So I mm-hmm. probably will talk about it on the show um, at some point. I'm just not quite ready to talk about it now. Uh, but otherwise, uh, not to be a downer, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, we're uh, in the middle of a, of a hiring thing. We had one employee who has retired and so we're looking to hire somebody new so that's always something interesting and interviews are always exciting and sometimes frustrating in the meantime uh it's all hands on deck with a lot of people going out to cover things so for example today i drove down to wellsville and only in about two hours away and back um on a day that was hot in in, in western to begin with and then i spent my day inside boiler rooms that were 105 to 115 degrees and uh, basically spent my whole day Oof. moist talk about cracking <laughs> but, a moist Yes, but but nice nice uh, drive home listening to podcasts in an air conditioned car, and now you get to spend the evening with all of you. It's going to be a lot more fun. So that's where I am right now. Our backup. Yay, Bob. So I am uh, physically. Um, my neck has been cranky for the last couple couple of weeks. Again, um, I've been doubling up on my exercises, trying to stretch things out and everything. Arthritis is arthritis. You know, you deal with it, you move on. Um, <clears throat> I did make myself an appointment for a massage though, because I'm overdue get the neck and the shoulder worked on um so physically a little, little little cranky over here um uh mentally um a little drained um but otherwise pretty pretty solid and uh and that'll like just i'm gonna take that and swing us right on into the into the one thing because i'm a little drained because um <laughs> selling my house <laughs> and uh when people told me it's a seller's market um, I was like, okay, yeah. So like, you know, more, more people, you know, wanting to buy and the, and the people who are selling are making more money. Okay, sure. I get that. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> I got 18 offers on my house. Holy yeah. balls. My, my realtor is still compiling the list and, and figuring everything out. She's going to send me an email cause I'm doing a podcast right now and I don't have time to sit and talk to her. And then in the morning we're going to communicate about uh, about what the bids are and uh, and what to do next. One billion dollars. Yeah, one billion dollars. No, it's not that much of a seller's market, but hey. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, it's been a little frantic around here. I had to spend most of the weekend out of the house so that people could come see the house. So oh. that was a little wild. Um, but yeah, so. Um, that's me, Jerry. I mean, that's exciting, buddy. It is. That's, it's um, it's super. Um, it's super exciting because I can't wait to get out of this house. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna crunch numbers or anything. But like, you bought that house um, way below market value when you bought it, and if you get if you get close to your ask or higher, you're gonna come out of it pretty like. You're going to come out of it pretty nice. Like I, having, I having seen think... your house, having looked at the neighborhoods and having looked at what would need to be done. I think that you were asking low. I think that you'll have no trouble getting what you asked for. I'd be surprised if people didn't, um, didn't shoot well over that because. Yeah. I don't know. Got, yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm excited to hear what happens, but yeah, uh, yeah it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how about you, Jerry? Um, for me, uh, I played low stakes this weekend, uh, which is the uh, the What We Do in Shadows homage by Craig Campbell, who was on our show a couple weeks ago. And it was a lot more fun than I expected. I mean, I like storytelling games and that sort of thing. 
Um, one thing that I'm always careful of is when I see a game that's based around humor is trying to find games that don't force the humor on you. And uh, first of all, we had Glenn Seiler who ran an amazing game. Um, but the rules did a really good job of making situations where humor could occur without making the humor for you. And there's a couple of random tables that just really fed to the mood and the theme and the tone of the game um, so that it, it made it very easy to play. And I'll talk about this a little more in the after curl. I'm just going to say that it was a great game that, um, that, that that really made it easy to slot in. And one of the first games I've played that was a humor game that grabbed that all real quick and, and, and had you ride it hard. And I liked it a lot. So that was I just really great game this, this Friday. Low stakes, really fun game. Bill? Yeah, my one thing for this week is um, back in, uh, what's called Back earlier in the year during uh, Zine Quest, I backed a um, zine called Mutants in the Now, which is a um, homage to the TMNT um, mm-hmm. slash Palladium uh, mm-hmm. game. Yep. Like, but like completely um, written from the ground up, right? Like, because all that shit's licensed, right? So you can't go anywhere near it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I was, I, I liked the pitch when I backed it. Um, and I got the um, playtest version, um, and it's um, it's fantastic. Uh, I got to read through it some more, but um, it's pretty jammed pack, right? So in order to remain a quote zine, it's only like sixty pages long. So like the animal section is like jammed <laughs> with information, right? Like three column, like super compact stat blocks for each of the animals. Um, if you are familiar with the old Palladium system, um, it has its own, it called the, um, what is it, Goo-P, so instead of Bio-E, the Goo-P uh, number system for how you buy up, like, all your traits and stuff like that. Um, the mechanics got a nice refresh um, without departing completely from being um, an homage to the original game, so there's still percentile skills but they're done better. Um, there is um, the mechanics for combat are more streamlined, includes advantage and disadvantage um, for dice rolling and stuff. Uh, cool. it, it is. And then my favorite part is the layout was done purposely to look like one of those uh, 80s palladium books. So it is um, it is a typed font with weird bolding in places um that's i so if you ever picked up a palladium book in the 80s 90s you know exactly what i'm talking about um that is exactly what this um this book looks like i'm i'm i sat and flipped through it i'm really excited um i am going to put this thing um out there to play because um i really want to play and i think i'm going to try to resurrect my high school tmnt group um (laughs) to go and play this with me. They are uh, scattered about the country, but if I've learned anything in this pandemic, um, I have a zoom account. Yep. That won't hurt. I can make this happen. Um, and I think they could all recreate their mutant animals um, in the system. And we could just play something um, like Dude, kind of, uh, kind of bonkers have to run that same scenario. Oh, the, um, the hostage the scenario school- at the school. 
Is that the one from the book? That, oh, yeah, the it's totally the one from the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that went always... so horribly wrong every time. It, yeah. Um, so I, I'm really psyched because one, I thought this was a really neat zine to come to fruition. But two, I got to tell you, I think it's pretty playable. And I really would like to see what um, I really would like to see if the author um, will do more with it. Um, now that it's coming out of the zine part and like mm-hmm. really look at like, would you do a full game of this? Cause I have a setting that I wrote along. I had a setting I wrote in high school about uh, mutant animals being um, kind of like a, um, Oh, what is it? Um, Planet of the apes kind of thing. Like where mutant animals are um, basically like um, second class citizens, like workforce things like that and about them rebelling against their human masters mm-hmm. and i would just totally be down for running uh that campaign uh, again like a good rebellion right i you know i love a good rebellion right <laughs> so and sticking it to the humans sounds exactly yeah um where we go so anyway uh it's a good read um it's not out yet anywhere so if you didn't back the kickstarter you're still gonna have to wait a bit before it surfaces uh but i'm excited uh i'm excited to flip through it and read it um, it, it has the right amount of nostalgia with enough, um, modern sensibilities that, um, that it's hitting, it, it, it's falling into a really nice, uh, a really nice sweet spot. That makes me want to go back and, and, and like flesh out our gangbusters redo theory that we did on the show when we did that, uh, <clears throat> exploratory play. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Although I will say this, if you really just want to try, um, if you really just want to try a better version of Gangbusters, um, I believe the gentleman's name is Mark Hunt. Uh, had, like one, he like redid Gangbusters, but then he also made a BX version of Gangbusters. That's right. I oh, that heard about work. that. Yeah. yeah. Take a look at that again. Yeah. Like I would imagine, I imagine that would be fine. Yep. I myself would just like to one day make a um, fate version of Star Frontiers. Yeah. There you go. I think I think that's probably the best way to go with Star Frontiers. The more I look at it over and over again, uh, the mechanics were okay at best, but it's the world and the theme, and it wouldn't be too much to make those characters nah. work yeah. because of the way that I think I think that after, especially after all the Fate we've been playing lately, I think that Fate would be a great game for that system. Yeah. Um, yep. All right, yeah. we've let the one thing drift again. That's my fault. <laughs> you forgot to you forgot, forgot to hold, to, you forgot, forgot to rein to it in. Ring the bell for you guys, and I, I contributed, so that's all right. So we should jump into the announcements. Um, I'm going to start with an announcement that is an apology because I have been uh, taking over the social media stuff from Rob Abrazado, who has um, departed from the Mister Mister. Okay. Misdirected Mark, word scramble. He has departed from the misdirected Mark hierarchy and is uh, no longer going to be um, a uh, a member of the uh, uh, administration. And so he handed off the social media parts to me and I have neglected to do the weekly news post on two Sundays in a row now. Um, so I'm going to try and rein that in and get it figured out for this weekend. Um, so apologies for that. And... Well, what is the next announcement, Phil? Next announcement. Um, you know what? I'm going to preempt the announcement I have and just um, quick do a shout out. There is, um, although this will only apply to our live audience because yes. by the time this drops, it will no longer apply to our um, 
to our regular listeners, but there is um, 36 hours left in Once More Into the Void. Yep. So um, oh, if you if you haven't backed it, yep. um, but I feel like a lot of us did, but yep. if you haven't backed it, now would be your time to get in before the window closes. Um, that Kickstarter, but I just, I, yeah. just, it, it, uh, it chugged along very strongly. Um, they made um, $30,000 Canadian over their asking goal. So, I mean, they, 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 they did a really nice job. Um, a lot of community books are going out. Um, so thanks to everybody who backed to get another community copy out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're listening live, 36 hours left. If you haven't jumped on the train, choo choo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, so first I just want to make that announcement cause I didn't want that to go yep. by, um, but my other announcement of course is, uh, Voyager watch party week 14, uh, we are closing out season five. We will, um, we're going to finish off the last episodes right before the, um, season finale cliffhanger, uh, which is very good. Um, but, uh, we have a week of good episodes. In fact, I, I, I monkeyed with the, um, the list until I got it to where I wanted it because, um, one of my favorite episodes is tonight, which is Course Oblivion. Um, which is just, um, it's very much my jam. So expect it to be a little dark. Um, what's up, Bob? I, I didn't say anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and then the rest of the week is good. We've got some really good seven of nine episodes in there. Um, I even added a bonus episode. It was, um, I was going to just leave it out as the bonus episodes, but our, our watchers have, um, uh, so taken to Janeway, uh, so strongly that um, I added in the episode 1159, which is a um, flashback story about one of Janeway's ancestors. Um, not to give too much away, but when they do the flashback, um, Janeway plays her ancestor in the flashback. So I thought it was like a really good, solid episode. It's a good episode to begin with. It's just it didn't do anything for the overall canon, um, although it will explain why where um, why her statues in Indiana Um her real statue. I don't know if you know that there's an actual chain ah. statue in Indiana. Cool. cool. Anyway, uh, I added 1159 into the list uh, just to add one more episode uh, for the week, but uh, I'm digging um, and it should be, uh, it should be good watch tonight. We should have, uh, we have a couple good episodes to watch. Awesome. Jerry, you've got the best announcement for this uh-huh. week. Yes, I do. Because we are welcoming, welcoming a new podcast to the misdirected Mark network. They're a super geek. It's an actual play one-shot live stream highlighting marginalized voices. They're going to feature gender marginalized GMs and a diverse rotating cast of players. It starts a week from this Thursday, and that's uh, June 17th. Uh, they'll be recording live every other Thursday from 9 to 11 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and uh, again, it's starting on June 17th. And you can catch up with them at twitter.com slash geek. And uh, there's going to be a... Um, there's going to be a uh, a link in the show notes. So yep. definitely tune in. So start next week. You can catch them uh, on the, the Twitch channel um, at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And I've been corrected. It's a live stream, not a podcast. It's a live stream. But still, tune in. Catch up with it. Uh, it's I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. So one more live show on the Misdirected Network Network. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's it for the announcements. Yes. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to our topic du jour. And this, of course, being a workshop, I have to cue Phil. 
Workshop! Workshop! It's expectation management. You got to tell them what to expect. You got to check to make sure they know what to expect. And you got to fix it if it all goes off the tracks. You got to manage those expectations so everybody has a good time. Play better games. Listen more in the workshop. And don't suck. You really don't know how you're going to fit expectation management into that rant until you do it. Like it's... <laughs> You got to love bespoke copy. Exactly. That's the best part about it. Always something different. Yay. All right. So uh, this week on the workshop, we're going to talk about expectation management. Um, this actually came because we were kicking on an idea based on a couple of different suggestions. Um, for show, sure, we're going to talk about the importance of things like betting, tone, genre, and what people look for going into a game and what happens with different games that have different uh, different varies on this. So after the brainstorming, we decided to work best as a discussion about expectation management. And that's really where all these things fall into place. Yeah, so I started brainstorming up the episode um, and got that um, sinking feeling <laughs> that we may have done this episode before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a quick search in the archives, and yep, sure enough, we did something like this back in episode 324. Yeah, but since that was August of 2018, that's like an eon ago, and it's also yeah. PC pre-COVID, so that's like forever. Because you know that was like a millennia I'm, COVID, right? I'm gonna say it's before Jerry, but those but those initials <laughs> might not work as well. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it's far enough back that we can do our mm-hmm. classic redux or redo or however you want to pronounce that word that yep. everybody loves to use. So we're gonna take a fresh look at expectation management, which is an important GM skill. And Phil, what mm-hmm. definitions do we need to know in order to get started with uh, this bumper? Behold. You are in the presence of Definition Panda. Righto, we got a couple, so let me truck through them um, so that we can get started. Expectations, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Right, expectations come in two general forms, internal expectations. Those are expectations that uh, we derive ourselves, um, our thoughts about things, our desire for how things will go. Uh, external expectations are expectations that are set by someone else. And those actually, not to get overly complicated, come in two flavors. Um, there's inferred external expectations, right? We've um, seen something external to us that sets up the expectation. Um, so this could be like looking at the artwork on the cover of a game. So I like look at the artwork. I got, I start to get expectations about um you know what this game's going to be based on what the artwork is showing me mm-hmm. um and then there's explicit expectations right somebody communicates to us an expectation um so this could just you know this could be the game master saying like hey I, you know i'm expecting this game to be dark and gritty right now i have that expectation too right because you like you shared it with me all right that brings us around to the idea of expectation management, right? The actions to prevent disappointment by establishing in advance what can realistically be achieved or delivered by a project undertaking course of action, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is a soft skill that applies to many facets of life, right? And we've talked about this before many, 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 many years ago when we talked about soft skills, 
um, for GMs, but expectation management is not an RPG thing, right? Expectation management is a like professional skill. Um, it is a skill that is used um, in so many places. Um, in terms of RPGs, we're going to look at it as a GM. We're going to look at it as a GM skill that you use to make sure that all the players have the same expectations about a game or campaign to avoid disappointment. Uh, And this applies to single games as well as campaigns. But for the sake of ease, because I can't, I can't stand writing game and campaign all evening in the notes. um, We're just going to say campaigns, right? We're going to just talk about expectation management in the term of campaigns, but just realize that everything that we're saying here applies for one shots as well. Um, It's just on a different time scale, Right everything we're talking about expectation management for a one shot has to be done right before you play it. Whereas for a campaign, you're going to manage, you're going to, you know, do this expectation management over the length of your campaign. All right, then. So with the definition set, Jerry, can you talk about some of the many expectations that someone could have in a campaign? Well, it's important because there's a lot of different expectations that can involve with when we talk about games. Um, you can probably list some of the more common ones, but as always, this is by no means an exhaustive list. You can add your own. But here are some types of expectations that can come up in your normal tabletop game. First one is setting or genre, right? These are the expectations about the different elements that are going to be presented in the setting. Um, Often with these, if something is shown in the setting material, we believe there's a reasonable expectation that it's going to come up and play, Um, right? So, for example, in a Dragonlance game, um, it's a reasonable expectation that there might be both dragons and dragonlances in the game. All right, second is systems. Uh, this is going to be expectations about how the system plays and what it's going to do. And some systems are very explicit about this. Fate tells you that it's a game about dramatic characters. But other systems are going to infer it. Uh, the game engine for corporation is called the Brutal Engine. So you can kind of expect you're going to have something much darker and grimmer. By the way, that's how you know how old the original um, the original episode is that I cribbed some of these notes from is that it uses, it uses corporation as a reference game. Um, Another, um, another set of expectations is character expectations, right? There are expectations about what the characters can do or their abilities in a game. Um, A character who's playing a wizard has an expectation to be casting spells. Hence why first level wizards suck. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like especially in the old days of D yeah. I think it's actually mm-hmm. better now in fifth edition, it's and it not, was actually yeah. pretty good in fourth edition. Mm-hmm. But man, in first and second and third edition, being a first level wizard suck. Do you cast spells? Well, I do once. Pew. <laughs> All right, protect me. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah. even, actually, even third edition handled that problem pretty well. Yeah, the old old days though of being yeah. a wizard yeah. was. Yeah. And the AD&D wizard, not to get too far off track, is an awful proposition. By the way, you only get one spell. You It takes twice as much experience points to progress. Um, and you have no hit points. Good luck. And, and, and your first spell was random, if I remember the original one correctly. So you might end up with read magic as your spell. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Have fun. Oh, no, a house um, is. Ah. Yeah, and just, I mean, to cap off this thing about character expectations, right? If we're playing a game all about super spies, well, there's a pretty good expectation you should be able to shoot a gun, mm-hmm. right? If you can't, that well, that's definitely a thing. I'd like to add one in here. I know this has been brought up by uh, by fellow no man. The other thing is, characters are expected to be competent at what they do. 
And that's something that, that GMs need to remember when they when they do games is that players go in expecting that, for example, if you're a super spy, that you know some basic things about being a super spy. Oh, all right. So let's clarify that, right? Because yeah. game mechanics will determine if a character is competent when it comes to things like skill rolls and combat checks. Yeah. What you're talking about, yes, I also agree, right? Like that is the um, expectation that your character is a professional um, mm-hmm. and knows things that maybe you don't know. Exactly. But your character knows. And will oftentimes, oftentimes not make um, foolish things that, that common sense would dictate. Like, you know, I searched the room. Ah, you didn't say you were searching behind the behind the the sash or something like that. That's you know, so competency should also be assumed as an expectation in most cases. Yeah, uh, and, yep. and if it's not, that should be specified by the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. The next one we're talking about is player. These are going to explain to how players are going to behave in the game. Um, something's going to be about the game. For example, um, you might have a game that says you we're not going to do any PvP, and so we expect the players to also play that way. But the second is going to be about your group itself. Um, you know, if you can't make the session, you should be giving as much uh, notice as possible. And, um, you know, that there's expectations that the players are going to be civil to each other once they're there. So yes, that's important. Uh, and it isn't always the case. Yeah. So I'd like um, to say that's I'd like to say that you should just assume that. But I think we all know that would be a ter- that's a terrible yeah, assumption. Never assume right? yes. Sometimes these things have to be pretty explicit. Um, another thing that you um, that you may need to manage expectations on is tone. Um, there are expectations about the tone of a game, right? Like if I see a cyberpunk game, most cyberpunk games, and I will say most back then, even more so less now, but most cyberpunk games tend to be dark and gritty. Um, but fantasy games, man, like you can't just say fantasy and anyone expect what the tone of that game is going to be. Like fantasy runs everything from like, super high fantasy of like flying dragons and flinging spells like right out of the gate to being a rat catcher in Warhammer, you know, fantasy, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's no, um, there's no implied expectations for fantasy. You know, in our, in our example of superhero games, when you talk to somebody from different genres and, you know, if one person is expecting four color comics and somebody else is expecting Teen Titans Go and the third person is expecting, you know, um, the Watchmen, or the, or, the, or uh, what was the one about the Dark Knight Returns? Um, those are three very different games, and you need to get that out in the open ahead of time because yeah. that's, a, that's a huge tool difference. So. There was actually a really cool discussion in the um, to plug the Slack Room RPG um, channel. The Slack Room had a whole discussion on superhero games this week with the announcement from uh, uh, Marvel mm-hmm. about yeah. the new Marvel game coming. There was a whole talk about what you know what kind of super um, hero games people like. And it really does highlight that the superhero genre is very much like saying fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, 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 it only, it only describes a very broad stroke of genre mm-hmm. yep. um, and really conveys nothing about tone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's easy assumptions that can be made. Like, again, this all, some, nothing we haven't already said, but like to go back to the cyberpunk thing, the vast majority of cyberpunk games were dark and gritty, uh, but they were also shiny and chrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Well, that's part of the, right. Yeah. And it's like, some people will look at the shiny and chrome and be like, Ooh, shiny and chrome. And it's like, yes, but shiny and chrome, you know, when I ran cyberpunk in college, my players had no basis for it whatsoever. So they played every cyberpunk game, like they were superheroes. 
and oh, they just refused to buy into the dark, gritty, depressing. And they were like, "No, no, no, we're the good guys. We're gonna, we're gonna stop all the bad guys." And that's how they played it. Um, how we played it. I mean, I'll, I'll run that game. Later. If everybody was on board, that. yep, yep. They just refused to give up. They refused to accept that they could not succeed, and they somehow did. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that makes for a good game. Yeah, Jerry, tell us about the tell us about the last one on our list of things to manage. Well, that's going to be expectations about the session or expectations about the campaign itself. Um, these are basically expectations on how it's actually going to go, how long it's going to be, what the basic tone is, what kind of advancement are we going to see, and what kind of story arcs are we going to have in the game. And those are all important because somebody who wants to play, you know, I'll try this, but I don't want to play for for a year and a half in this game. It's going to be different than somebody who just wants to come in and get into their character and stay there for, for a decade. Um, we already discussed tone. But advancement's another big thing, um, especially in a lot of the games that have more that are more level based um, or point based. Um, people that are in it for the for the character advancement layer will be will be disappointed if you run at different levels. Um, Pathfinder First Edition uh, actually had a whole section on whether you were running fast advancement, slow advancement, or average advancement, and depending on what you want to do with your characters, change the experience points they're going to have, and making sure everybody was on board with the same thing made a huge difference. Um, I mean, of course, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say I, my solution to that was always to just throw XP away. <laughs> well, yes. Well, yes. But that's, but that, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how, how they expect to see advancement though. Oh yeah. Um, but my advance, my advancement system was uh, at the end of every module, everybody goes up a level. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, that, that makes a big difference too, but you have to talk about that ahead of time because there are lots of games. We're all lucky that we all play pretty much in groups of players that all come to the game already having known each other and what we're kind of expecting. But there's a lot of GMs and players out there, especially in things like uh, Adventures League or conventions, things where um, the players come to the table have very different ideas on what character advancement should look like. And it makes a big difference. You should be talking about it. Yep. And, and as we said, lastly, just what kinds of story arcs are you going to have? Um, and we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail when we get into um, the second half of the show. So Absolutely. we'll discuss that later. So, um, all right. So that's that's not a short list of things that could be misunderstood. Um, it's a short list, but it's not a short list. So take <laughs> that as you will. Phil, what exactly happens when these expectations are not managed properly? Yeah. So you know when um, when we miss an expectation, right? When we're misaligned, um, there's a number of different ways that that misalignment can occur, right? And I think it's important to kind of note these because. Um, when we're talking about expectation management, we kind of have to watch out for all of these, right? Um, so the first one is just a, a false expectation, right? So somehow somebody got an expectation in their head um, that just wasn't correct ever, right? Like everybody was like, oh, cool, we're playing, you know, dark and gritty cyberpunk. And they were like, cool, we're, you know, like I'm going to play like the rich kid, um, you know, the rich kid who's slumming it kind of thing or whatever, right? Like, like just totally didn't like totally didn't get one of the expectations. And that's often the case. Like if you're just not paying attention or maybe you didn't hear something um, or maybe you weren't available, like, um, you know, in chat or something when some of these things got covered. Mm-hmm. What's another one, Jer? Um, Misunderstanding or even worse, misinterpreting, which in this case, somebody heard external expectation, but didn't get it correctly. You know, they heard, um, you know, uh, mutant story, you know, mutant school, and they were thinking about something kind of bright like um, some of the some of the X-Men cartoons. And instead, somebody else wants to run it like the New Mutants movie. And just you 
perfect sort of expectation, but you didn't get it correct and didn't get the correct uh, assumption. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, and like that can easily happen. Like um, that could easily happen uh, with things like tone. Like if you start talking about your tone in terms of movies and somebody has a very different opinion of how like a movie went, right? Like when you're like, oh yeah, it's totally like the Godfather. And you're like, yeah right and like you're thinking you know like mob revenge mob wars and they meant like you know it's gonna be like you know in the past i got an even better one for you somebody says batman and <laughs> yeah, yeah one yeah, person sure. one, one person goes batman 66 somebody else goes batman 89 and the third person is thinking about the new batman movie coming out and <laughs> Yeah, you're just everywhere on that one, right? So yeah. it's very easy to misinterpret that. Um, the next one on our list of how these things can go wrong is uh, delivery is slower than expected, right? So part of the expectation of this was that there's going to be an expectation, but also it will occur within a certain time window. Um, and now it didn't. So it's not that the expectation didn't happen. It didn't happen when they thought it would. Um so this could be like the case with advancement where it's like, sure, I'm going to play the wizard, but like, I thought we'd get to level five faster, mm -hmm. you know, where wizards are fun. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and now they're like stuck at level three and they're just kind of like, oh, this is okay. But like, I thought, you know, I thought we'd already be level five by now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And what's our, what's our last one? Last thing is, is when expectations change during the course of play. Um, sometimes the correct player had a correct expectation back when it was set, but over time, things have changed and the expectation is not valid. And that can be something as simple as, um, you know, we all agreed this was going to be a game about, um, you know, fun-loving smugglers trying to make ends meet from planet to planet. And now all of a sudden we're in a game where we're struggling against the evil empire and uh, we're involved in all sorts of interplanetary politics, which is something that the players may not have originally signed on to do. Yep. Um, like and, all, and, all those expectations can change. And right. maybe that's okay. Maybe yeah. it's not. But you have to have that conversation. Like a exactly. key, good, good example is Phil's heist campaign in uh, D20 Modern. <laughs> um, we started out playing Ocean's Eleven, a bunch of operators having some fun heists and just kind of making it day by day. And we turned into Reservoir Dogs by the end. And <laughs> that's a and big that really took a that, it took a real hop. Yeah. Like it's wasn't and expecting that we're going to repeat this but i'm going to say right now that uh, i think the key at all of these is communication oh listen we um i'm going to just say this now i've said this I, I think i've said this somewhere else the key to all of this is communication our job now on the show is not to tell you to communicate but is to give you the language and frameworks by which to communicate effectively. Yeah. All of these problems are solved by communication. Yeah. Our job now is to help make that easier for you. I'm still going to keep saying it though, because no, no, it's yeah. good. You should, out there. you should, but I mean like literally, literally I could answer every GM question with you should communicate more, yes. but really yeah. what I've come to learn over time is that's not always, I mean, that's sometimes the issue, Showing people how to communicate mm -hmm. is yeah. often like the bigger hurdle. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, jumping back on topic here. So when any of those things that we just talked about above happen, then expectations aren't met. And, and typically that results in frustration for like the person whose expectation is now out of alignment. 
Um, and that frustration can be for anyone, right? That could be the players. That could be the GM. That could be the whole group. Um, anybody can experience a, a gap in expectations and anyone can experience that frustration. Um, and frustration gets expressed in different ways. Um, the, the best, the best way possible is communication, right? Like, so that somebody's just like, Hey, like, I thought we were fun loving smugglers. Like, how did we just get like caught up in this galactic plot thing for the last couple of weeks? Well, like, you blew up that's a star. okay. Mm-hmm. Say again, Bob? I said, well, you blew up a star. That's how it happened. <laughs> it's in our way. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, we you fell off the thing. I'm just going to plow through because Bob interrupted and I'm Jerry sorry. lost the spot. Um, so the thing is that like just coming out and saying it and having the communication moment, right? Like that's positive. It's a chance to address the issue. We're going to talk about that um, a little. We're going to talk about that in a little bit before the break. But that's great, right? Like that's a really positive way is just to be like, hey, I had this expectation and now it's not met. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Right. That That's great. But there's also a negative way that um, that frustration about misaligned uh, expectations comes out. Um, and the first one that you see is uh, passive aggressive uh, play styles. When players are just um, kind of tossing out comments and have the characters acting in ways that are passive aggressive because they're not satisfied with the expectations that are, that are being met. Um, sometimes you see detachment where players just seem to lose interest in the game they're showing up to be there with their friends but other than that they're really not participating in the game and sometimes it's downright anger they're just they they get frustrated with the game itself and will uh, basically be lashing out sometimes verbally um and all of these basically disrupt the game yeah i mean it's i, I mean it's a lot harder um to it's harder to deal with these things when they're expressed negatively um, you know, uh, the passive aggressive one, right. Gets into a thing where you're like, is there something wrong? And the person's like, no, it's fine. Yeah. I'm sure Bob remembers a player. Oh, a passive aggressive <laughs> behavior can become a feedback loop too. One person's acting Ooh. in a passive aggressive way. And then the other people start responding in passive aggressive ways. And, and all you just got just at the table. It's yeah. It's, a, it, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a real killer. I mean, if one person's acting passive aggressively, it will throw the vibe off the whole table. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is, it is a game. I've, I mean, you've seen it too, Bob. I've yep. seen it kill more games mm-hmm. um, in just like really just disappointing ways. Um, mm-hmm. Detachment and divesting. I mean, is also, you know, is also um uh sad but it it's it's not it's sometimes not as disruptive like if somebody just quietly detaches from the game and doesn't disrupt the rest of the table like that's a player problem you need to address and kind of like help bring them back into the game um and sometimes a detached player will just you can like if they're really like not happy with the game they could actually just withdraw quietly from the game without disrupting the rest of the um without the rest of the flow of the table the problem with detachment and divesting, though, is that when you've got players that do that and don't leave the game, is that oftentimes it hampers the rest of the role playing because they're not participating in scenes and situations yeah. um, and input that the rest of the players would want to play off of. And so as soon as you see that, it's something that needs to be addressed because um, I've seen that happen in games where I realize, you know, I realize as the GM, hey, I've got this one player and I can tell they're just not participating. And we they haven't talked about why, but they're not in any of the conversations. Um, 
and you have to sit down and talk to them. And uh, I've got a player in those games too. And yep. it, it, it does disrupt the group pretty heavily in a, in a even more passive way than the passive aggressive one does. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, without a doubt, right? Like de- a detached player who doesn't say anything and then um, continues to come to the game detached uh, will it's like an oar in the water, right? Like it just drags yeah. everything. All right. So the point is one way or another, when expectations aren't met, they will come to the surface over time. Mm-hmm. Um, like they could come to the surface right away. Um, or, and, and to me, this is way worse. Like you could get to the end of the campaign and be like, everybody's wrapping up the campaign and you're talking about it. And like, somebody goes like, yeah, the game was, you know, like overall it was good, but I really thought this game was going to be about fun, loving smugglers. And like, it really wasn't that once we started playing and now you're like, Oh man, like, yeah, where was this? <laughs> like, why didn't you just say something earlier? We could have tooled the game back or something. Right. Like um, I, I was, I was in a game like that where I kept waiting for the main theme of the game to, that, that was, that was announced as the whole core of the game to occur. And we got to like the third adventure. I'm probably like, you know, I'm not seeing any of this occurring and I don't really know what's going on with this. And by that time it was too late because we were like a week away from ending the campaign. And it never, I hadn't spoken up earlier because I just thought the GM was building towards something that never got, that just never got there. Yeah. And um, it's kind of why the game, I think imploded at the end was that we never got to that point. And I think everybody was was struggling with different things and didn't see what was going on, but we didn't talk about it. And you want to see that. Um, yeah. I'm sure I've had games that I've run that have gone the same way. Um, I, I'll tell you right now, I have I have had passive aggressive players, and in my 80s days, I was that passive aggressive player multiple times because um, we didn't know what to talk about it. So, yeah, there we go. Communication is I'm, key, kids. Mm-hmm. All right. So rather than being reactive to expectation gaps we could instead be proactive by using the expectation management skill. Jerry, can you give us an overview of the activities that make up expectation management? All right. Um, We're going to start by discussing three major activities that go into expectation management. And the first thing we study expectations. This is uh, working towards creating a common set of expectations for the group. You'll be building that foundation of expectations which the campaign is built on. Set them, talk about them, get them lined up, and discuss them. Um, the next one is going to be check-in. Um, this is what you do once you've set the expectations and everybody's agreed on them, and then you start moving into the game itself. You want to keep dropping comments in and checking with your players once the game gets underway, or as a player, checking with the GM once the game gets underway. Um, this is to actively ask people if their expectations are being met. And the whole idea behind this is to uh, basically uh, take a preemptive approach to uh, missing things or misaligning um, or mismanaging expectations as they go um, and get them to like they manifest in a negative way. Um, don't assume that all the players are on board or that they're moving at the same pace you are. If everybody's talking about it, you can find out that um, little problems that are starting to occur or things that are missed, um, you can realign and get them back into the game. And that's the third part, which is realigning. Basically, Reset and reestablish mismatch expectations. Get the whole group back to a common foundation. Um, find out what it is that they were expecting out of the game. Um, make sure that they know what you were expecting out of the game so that you're all on the same page. Um, and if 
we're straying from that and that straying is causing a problem because it doesn't always cause a problem. Sometimes straying from patients is good. Um, get them back to the common foundation or just reset those expectations. You know, hey, we thought we were doing this, but we're all doing this. Are you all okay with that? Yeah, we love going up against the empire after being smugglers. You know, blowing up that star was a great thing. Let's keep going with that. Um, <laughs> it's not where we started, but as long as everybody's on board with it, but you have to talk about it first. Yep. So. All right. So let's do what we do best. We're going to break down these three activities into some more detail and give some tips on how to do them well, starting with setting expectations. Right. So the goal with setting expectations is to uh, cover as many of the things that we talked about earlier um, and um, get everybody to a consensus. Right. We want to we want to communicate our expectations. We want to make sure people understand them and we want to make sure people agree with them. Right. Like if if I say we're playing, you know, if I say the game I want to run is dark and gritty, um, I need to make sure that you guys both understand what I mean by that. And then I want you, you know, in terms of enthusiastic consent, I want you to be like, you know, enthusiastically consenting to like, oh, yes, dark and gritty is exactly what I've been looking for for this game. I'm on board. Right. Um, So in this in this place, like in this space, you just like you need to talk. Right. And I'm going to direct this as a GM like focused activity because we've been talking about it as a GM skill. But like Jerry said earlier, um, players can do this just as much as um, just as much as GMs don't feel like it's only the GM's job to do this. You know, look, if I had to write every like, you know, like every different way these things work, you know, the show would be twice as long as it already is too long. Um, But but I think it's important to keep to to say what you said, though, because I think Far too often, players feel it's not their place to say something until they're asked when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah, and which I think that, and, and so yeah, I think that it's we're not going to keep saying over and over again that it's there, but players should also feel free to speak up in these things. Yeah, we yeah. need to just throw away the whole concept that players aren't empowered um, to manage things uh, at the table. They totally are, right? Like I think yeah. that um, I think that we, you know, often you know often put too much on game masters yeah. um, to to you know for this stuff anyway, but. That's a topic for a future show. Let's stay with um, let's stay with expectation management. So, you know, we start by talking, right? And the GM can be the facilitator for this effort. Other people could be the facilitator for this effort as well. Um, You state the expectations to the group, and you ask for feedback. All right. So, for example, this game is going to be about space heists. Um, So, a lot of this game is going to be doing various jobs, uh, making contacts, kind of avoiding the, the the authorities, that sort of thing. Um, but then you ask, you know, is everybody on board with that? Is that what you're all looking to do? Yeah, exactly. Right. Just mm-hmm. is everybody on board with that? Does that sound like what we want? You know, does that sound like the kind of game we want to play mm-hmm. now? You, so that's a very directed question, right? It's like, I, I, you know, the GM pitches something and then asks the group, are you okay with that? But you can also do that in a more open format um, by asking like a more open question to the group and then, and then having them answer it and give feedback. So for example, Okay. Um, what about romance in this game? Uh, what's everybody thinking? Do you want a little, a lot? Does anybody not want any? Do you want messy romance? Do you want dramatic romance? Do you want um, romance between players? How much interaction do you want us to have? All of that. Um, it's an important question to ask. And it doesn't have to be about romance. It can be everything from combat to to uh, problem solving to puzzles and heists and traps and everything in between. But ask 
ask some of those questions. See what people are thinking. Give it open, and then people can give their own feedback and let you know. And it may be different for different players, and you may have to refocus different things. Yeah, I, I will also say that you don't have to use um, just one of these formats when you do it, right? So if you're like, if I'm coming to the group with a particular idea for a campaign, I might come in saying, listen, I would like us to play a Space Pirates game that is uh, bold and adventurous, something a little more lighthearted, like a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing. And that might be the thing I put out there as a very directed question, like, are you guys on board with that? But then I may turn around and be like, okay, so if you guys are all on board with that, let's talk about like, let's talk about um, other supers or let's talk about romance or whatever. And I can put that question out as an open question because it wasn't germane to my idea of what I wanted to run for everybody. So I can leave that part open and kind of get everybody's feedback. Whereas um, if I just walked in and was like, I want to play space pirate game, um, you know, and open that question up, maybe it's not the game that I was hoping we would get to play. So um, you can mix and match those two types of questions based on stuff that you specifically want versus um, kind of group consensus on other things. So I, there, neither one of those questions is better than the other. They're both just tools for kind of facilitating the discussion. Okay, so the best place to set all of these expectations, of course, is going to be session zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. The real challenge here for session zero is to remember to talk about all the different parts. Um, and for that, if again, if you're going to be the GM and facilitating this, having some sort of tool or outline of what to talk about, like what expectations to set is important. Uh, and for that, I need to recommend Cats by Patrick O'Leary. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. I think many people um, are familiar with this. But if you're not, let's just quickly go through what Cats stands for. All right. So Starting first, with. The C is for concept. In other words, pitch the game. At a very highest level, what's it about? You know, we are going to be playing a sci-fi game involving the players as smugglers and space pirates struggling against the Empire at the end. Yep. The A is for aim. Explain what the players are trying to accomplish. Can somebody win? Uh, Can everyone lose? Are we trying to tell a specific type of story? All right. The C is for tone. Basically, have a quick conversation about the game. What's the tone going to be? What's the default? Are there different options for gameplay? Is it going to be serious versus gonzo? Action versus drama? And then come to a consensus on what the group actually wants out of uh, that sort of tone. Uh, S is for subject matter. Explain what ideas might be explored during gameplay. Um, Do, you know, do those ideas make anyone uncomfortable? What, what kind of boundaries do we need? Um, Sometimes this then flows into a safety discussion and honestly should flow into a safety discussion. Um, I have used um, cats for a while now for prepping um, my session zeros. Um, and it's kind of a wonderful way to um, start that conversation. Sometimes, depending on the game, I will add additional things um, to that list or like I might like blow out a section with some more information or whatever. Uh, but cats is usually a really good way to um, start to have the conversation about the expectations. Um, yeah. It's a really solid foundation to start with. Yeah. yeah, I mean you've I mean you've been on the you've yep. been on the receiving end of it several times, you know, several times now. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I typically, my, um, typically what I do is I do cats and then I do safety right after, right after we finish cats, we go right into a safety discussion, um, with, um, lines and veils and whatever other tools we're going to employ for, for the game. But that usually helps get everything, um, on track. Awesome. So once we've set all our expectations at the table and the game is underway, how do we check in? All right. Well, once the game's underway, um, you want to check in, and it's not all that complicated. It's really just about having a conversation. What's tricky is getting people to be candid and talk about their expectations being met. And we see this all the time where players don't talk about the things that they want early on for a variety of reasons. So the first thing is that the ability for the group to be candid is going to have to be about trust. Right. It's trust that everyone has an equal voice at the table, be it player, be it GM, be any other reason. Uh, everyone has an equal voice. And the second thing is that they have to trust that no one's going to be ridiculed or shouted down for their opinions. Yep. They want to make sure yep. that whatever they're going to be saying is going to be accepted by everybody. And um, among friends, this is easier. Among strangers, not quite as much. But you want to set that up and, and make sure that you stay out there. Like, there's no, there's no bad ideas here. Let's toss out. Let's toss them around and see what we like. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then, lastly, that there's trust that what somebody says will be heard by the rest of the group. Right? That um, it will be heard. It won't be dismissed. Um, and again, that goes that ties right back to um, the ridiculed and shouted down, the equal voice, and all of that. But all of that bundled together is the kind of trust. Um, that allows us to be candid. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, there's no easy path for making all these things happen, but it's good to take these things to the group, and then the group also has to do them once you tell them what to do or once you state what you want to do. Make sure the group actually do, does them. So here are a few tips. Yeah. So take turns and take deliberate turns so that everyone gets a chance to speak, right? Yes. So, And I don't mean just like, um, I take a turn and then like somebody, you know, like, I don't mean like I take a turn and then somebody takes a turn and then um, we, you know, move on to another topic. I mean, we go around to make sure that everybody um, mm -hmm. has a chance to speak. Even if they didn't speak, we at least ask them like, oh, I didn't, you didn't speak up during, you know, during this so far. Are you good with what's going on? Or, you know, is there something you want to add? And that's why sometimes it's better to check individually than in groups. Sometimes you want to take somebody aside or, or talk to everybody separately about what they want and then bring everything to the table at once. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you can do this by email, by text, like different people have different, like, like preferred ways to communicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, set rules for how people behave in group discussions, right? Like, um, you know, if you're among friends, again, a lot of this is easier if you're among friends, right? If you're among friends, um, and your friends are reasonably mature because I have been, you know, since I've been playing since I was in fourth grade, I have played among friends, but I've also played with, you know, my really immature friends. Um, and now approaching 50 playing with my mature friends, it's a very different experience, right? So it's just saying playing with friends isn't really quite, um, quite enough, but um, setting those rules down for like, Hey, we're not poking fun at anyone's ideas or Hey, like stop talking over somebody like, you know, yeah. we're, or we're going to, we're going to go around the table with every question because I don't want anyone to get skipped. Yep. Even, even in games that I've, that I've GM'd with friends there, you've sometimes got friends that are quieter and friends that talk over people and, or 
you know, go on for too long and don't give other people a chance to talk. And you have to sometimes just hold on a second. I think you wanted to say something here, you know, um, keep everybody on track, but make sure that, that you make sure everybody is heard. So, um, which brings to the next one, which is repeat back to someone that what you heard them say to acknowledge that you've heard and understood them. And another thing that you can do is write down all the ideas. So that ideas aren't missed or dismissed. If every time somebody says something, somebody writes it down, then you can go back and make sure that, you know, maybe you had six ideas and the quietest person put something out there, but then we had the two loudest people talking about their ideas. If you've got to write, you know, let's go back to this thing and make sure that did we address this one for you as well. And then people's ideas won't get missed as easily. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, even things like little dry erase note cards you talk to the table so you've got an idea out there. But it just helps to make sure that it's a, it's basically a very version of repeating back to somebody what you heard them say. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they're understood. Because if everybody's in alignment, then you're all set. But you still want to check again sometimes later. Hey, these were our expectations. Is this where we're going or is this what you still want to do? Because if those are mismatched expectations, you need to work on realigning that expectation before it gets out of hand. Absolutely. All right, Phil, Bob. what tips do we have when it comes to realigning those expectations again? Yeah, so eventually we're going to find a mismatch, right? It's very rare that um, the expectations of the game from session zero make it all the way to the uh, to the end, right? Without something uh, changing or without, you know, for any of the reasons we mentioned above, late delivery, misinterpretation, et cetera, right? Mismatch is not a, um, a mismatch is not a flaw. Kind of expect that it's going to happen. Um, which is why you're doing the check-ins, right? Because we want to proactively find these mismatches and address them early. So first of all, it's important to note that mismatches aren't always problems, right? So sometimes when we had one expectation and now something else is happening in the game, um, it may just be fine. Like, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, we were happy, fun, you know, fun-loving um, space smugglers. And now we're like embroiled in this political thing and everybody's like, hell yeah, we are. This is great. Mm-hmm. So not a problem, still a mismatch. Okay. So that's important to realize that like, we don't want to just talk about mismatches being in a negative connotation because mismatches could also be opportunities. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, in some cases that mismatch is going to cause an issue for a player uh, in the game. That's, that's where we really want to get in and address it. Um, because when that happens, um, we need to figure out if there's anything we can do about this mismatch. Um, and here are like some steps to help make that evaluation. I don't think there's any, like, there's no magical formula for solving this problem. Um, but here's some ideas for kind of how to step into um, understanding and, and understanding like what's going on and how to, like how you might fix it. First, um, figure out how to understand the misalignment in the first place. You want to make sure you're clear what the mismatch is. Um, make sure that you're all talking about the same thing if that, you're, you're not satisfied, but it's not really an expectation. Look for the root cause and not just the surface symptom. What is causing this misalignment? Yeah. Um, determine what it would take to align the expectations, right? So um, look at whether this is something with um, like the way the campaign's set up. Like, are you going to need to, like, are you going to have to fundamentally change some story elements? Are, do you need to house rule something? Like, get some idea of like, what it would take to close this gap. Yep. And then set the ramifications of making a change. Um, what's going to be different if you make some changes to meet these expectations? It's going to be positive or negative? It's going to dramatically affect the, the story? Is it going to affect just that one player, the whole group, the game itself, or the entire campaign? 
Um, because those are all important things to consider because one little change here can make a huge difference on the line or check other players. Um, then you kind of need to decide if this is actually a good idea. So this is interesting because this is like three-year-old uh, text I'm copying and I'm not sure I'm 100% on board um, with this anymore. So let me take a stab at it. Um, in terms of whether it's a good idea, really what we're looking at is um, who's going to be affected by this change, right? Mm -hmm. If it's a change that like just needs to occur to the character who's had the mismatch uh, and doesn't really affect any of the other players um, and it's not really going to upend the campaign or anything like that, it's probably fine to just go ahead and make that change. Like you don't really need, like it, those things are easy. If it's something that's going to like have a larger disruption, like it affects several players or it affects the fabric of the campaign or something, um, it's worth having a larger discussion about it with the group. Um, again, I think that um, most groups can actually um, weather most of these changes in yeah. my past. In my past, I would have said like in, in the past, I'm not sure I would have been quite this flexible um, in my very far past. I would have been very inflexible as I often had a vision I use that word very seriously and ironically, a vision for my campaign. Um, but today I'm like really about just having a good time with my friends and playing games. So if a mismatch needs to, you know, change a chunk of the campaign, I'm apt to just put it out there and be like, hey, would everybody be cool if we just all agree that this thing changed and we just don't worry about it? And nine times out of 10 with the groups I'm currently in, the answer will be, yeah, sure, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And we'll move on. Um, so it, that's going to differ for your group. But understand that like small changes that affect just a character are probably fine to just put through. Larger ones, you know, really require the input for the rest of the group. I would never recommend um, implementing a change of a large scale and not address the rest of the group beforehand, right? Like that's a, that's a pretty dick move. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. But but I, I think that, you know, depending on the maturity of your group, those discussions can be had. Um, if your group is not very mature, yeah, this is going to turn out to be a problem, right? Like people are going to get upset and, um, and you, you know, you may need to either find other solutions or other players. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be harsh about it, but life is short and you should play. You should just play games with people that, you know, are cool and that you love. Um, yeah. And trust me when I tell you that thanks to the internet, you can find those people. They don't have to be local. Right. Um, I'm blessed to have local players who are wonderful. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> if, you know, in the olden days, you would just have to like live with the people that in you had in your game times. group. I don't yeah. feel like that's a need. Any, like that's, that's a necessity anymore. I think, anyway. GMs, I think as GMs, we all get to that point where you get to that, that one day when you realize it's okay to throw a player out of the group when they're having trouble or where they're causing trouble. And you're not going to, the world isn't going to end. And once you, once you get to that point where you say, you know what, I'd rather play with people that have fun, your whole perspective changes. And that's probably an entirely different topic. We want to put up in also Bob. Hmm. problem players. How to not giving a player. fuck anymore is our topic. <laughs> yeah. Future topic. Okay. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess the point of it was I had some stuff written, but it's pretty dated and I don't like it now that I like now that I'm reading it on the fly. The point is, as we've said before, it's all about discussion. If you're going to talk about a change, let me just do this really quick. The best way to talk about change 
is the following way. You want to say what the change is. You want to say what things are going to stay the same and what things would change, right? Because that's what people, um, that's when you, when you say what a change is, where people's minds go to next are those two topics. What, what is going to like, how am I going to be affected? I.e. what is going to change for me and what is going to be the same for me? And if you just, if you have that discussion with the group, like, Hey, I need to change out, you know, our central bad guy because, um, for whatever reason, 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 here's, what's going to change. I still want to have a central bad guy, but I'm going to kind of change the political structure or whatever. Um, and we'll still like be running from them. Like that's the things we're going to do the same, but what's going to be different is like how you're going to attack the organization because it'll have a different structure. Yeah. Everybody cool with that. Anybody have concerns, right? That's another thing you do. Anybody have concerns about that? That kind of thing. All right. So, so before we head into the break, I wanted to ask about the role of individuals in the group when it comes to expectation management. We know the GM is the de facto facilitator. I mean, that's been their role since the, the, the uh, position was invented, but it's not solely on them. Right, Jerry? We discussed earlier. Um, this is very, very true. Is individuals your responsibility when it comes to expectation management? Um, as players, as GMs, as, as people participating in the game, you have to be candid of when your expectations are out of alignment. I've seen a lot of players that don't speak up because they're afraid they're going to upset the GM or their GMs will be feel disappointed, like, oh, I'm hurting his feelings by telling them that their campaign wasn't amazing or that they're not meeting this. You've got to be candid with them. And it's not easy for all the reasons we talked about above. You can't control the group, but you can come to know what your comfort zone is for being candid. And it's something that all the players should be addressing. Yeah, like, are you comfortable talking in a group? You might be. Mm-hmm. You might not be. Um, mm-hmm. Do you prefer one-on-one conversations? Do you prefer face-to-face? Do you like um, text over face-to-face? Like, sometimes people um, do better texting things that are harder to say, like critiques or comments, mm-hmm. than they are saying it face to face because there's a certain amount of um like firewalling that yeah. you get with texts. Years ago I ran um a bunch of games in Syracuse that like three different campaigns in a row we had problem players where we had six good players and one or two bad players and the problem was the players didn't feel uh, comfortable speaking up to the problem players so it always came back to um, you know, well, Jerry, we want you to talk to the, G- to the player about this and tell them this or just kick them out. And if we actually put them on the spot and said, hey, okay, who wants to vote on this person leaving? Nobody would raise their hand, even though when they're not there, they will also they'll tell you. And they're just not comfortable with that. It was a very odd um, thing because you realize that some players just don't feel comfortable talking to the group, even when they all know that they've got the other five behind them. Nobody wants to be the one to say you're, you should be gone. Or that this isn't doing what we want it to do, or this campaign isn't working right. Um, sometimes one-on-one is going to work better because you can just get the information out and then take it from there. Um, and but it shouldn't always be on the GM. Sometimes the players need to instigate that that conversation because the GM might not know that expectations aren't being met. So be aware of it. So you just want to figure out how to be candid in a way that's safe for you to get the information across. But if you do have a mismatch expectation. Bring it up whatever way you're most comfortable. Texting, email, answer a question in a group forum, talk to the GM privately, 
open it up to the whole group. Does everybody else feel the same way? All of that can be done. Yeah, exactly. All right. That is um, our overview on the topic of expectation management. Let's take a break. There is um, some pressing chat that has to be discussed once we hit the break. Um, But uh, but before we do, and I hate to hold up Bob any longer, but Bob, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. You know, we've got this this show called Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Uh, If you're a Dark Sun fan, you Mm -hmm. need to check this show out. Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting. They discuss it across all editions of D and D, and they have fun with it. And if you're, like I said, if you're a Dark Sun fan, this is the show from the Misdirected Mark Network that you want to jump on. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, I just want to say that the synergy of the show topic and my own <laughs> expectations of selling a house—it's a glorious, like, union of <laughs> bizarre. Uh, but, um, but but you got I'm, an email while yeah, we've been recording. I, I got an email while we've been recording with the summary list of the offers that were made on my house. I won't go into okay. the actual numbers here in the – I may say something in the in the after show, but um, to, to not drag this out too long, um, it's beyond my expectations. <laughs> oh, man. Drop it, one, drop it in the Zoom chat. I don't need – like I we don't have to talk about your finances, but I kind of need to know like – just how far over are we talking? Yeah, it's um, it the 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 sheer volume of offers and the numbers that were offered, um, beyond what I would have even guessed at when I first started thinking about selling the house. I honestly, I was I was going into this three four months ago, completely willing to take a loss. Dude, you're just, killing me. Type a number into Zoom. House, so type a number into Zoom. Right. With that. Um, you know, no one gonna, else has to see this. Just we're, we're going to go back to the topic of expectation management with our roundtable questions, um, starting with this one. Starting with type the number into Zoom. I'm working on it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Um, our first question is: Name a time in a game that you GM'd or played where there was a mismatched set of expectations, and then like, how did it get handled? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, expect- uh, uh, this is what we're seeing when everybody's kind of. Losing what they have. Um, okay. Uh, Marvel Face Rip. Um, I tried to write a four-color 80s-style Marvels game for a group of players um, who either had read no superhero comics um, or were brought up on the Watchmen, American Flag, Dark Knight Returns, and Grim Dark Movie. Um, I kind of assumed going in that when I said 80s superhero game, that everybody knew the kind of genre I was trying to run, but only one of them created a superhero. The rest focused on characters with antisocial characteristics, brutally violent powers, or motivations that weren't in line with heroic actions like need and vengeance, etc. They all came with a different, um, they all came in with a different, different expectation. And um, once we identified where the expectations were to match, um, we just decided that it was time to switch to an entirely different game for those players after two weeks. Um, and because this was the third attempt to play a superhero game with this group, we decided we're just not going to play that genre with these players because it was just the wrong expectations. This group was never going to, with with five players, the five of them were never going to align on what kind of game they thought a superhero game should be. And that's okay. We just know that that's not a genre to run with that group um, because the expectations were all over the place. But we had to talk about it because um, I really wasn't paying attention the first time to see what the problem was. The second time, I kind of wrote it off to a new player adding the group. By the time we saw the third one, realized that 
just when I said superhero, different people had different ideas on what it was. And um, we were never going to be able to run a game with all five players playing their idea of a superhero game together. And so we just move out of something else and find something that works for everybody. And um, in that case, it was Star Wars. So that's what we did. So you identified it and moved on. Um, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I racked my brain on this one. And uh, the only one that came to mind was was the one that Phil's about to talk about. So I'll let him I'll let him do it. Yeah, um, we were both there for this, and it, it, it happened very recently. Um, in our I Hunt pilot episode, um, the expectation for the game is pretty clear, right? On the cover of the game, it says I Hunt, uh, monster killing in the gig economy. Very clear, right? Um, and we did a full cats, and we did all of that yep. um, as we, you know, as we prepped our game. And in the pilot episode, um, the the and the pilot is run differently. It's it's more of a narrative structure than it is an actual session, um, but it's designed to kind of like tell the characters' initial stories about how they kind of come together. But in that initial story, um, the players get hired to kill a werewolf that is tearing up the holes on this country club golf course, right? Because rich people are being inconvenienced, so they pay um, they pay poor millennials to go and kill um, this werewolf to solve the problem, and so. Um, we, you know, we started talking about getting ready, you know, like, like lining up for the hunt um, and they find the werewolf and um, Tony's like, I don't know why we can't just talk to this werewolf. Like, I'm going to go talk to him. Like, just tell him he's got to move on and find a different place or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and I actually just stopped the game right there. Right. Because this is a pretty serious um, gap in expectation. Mm-hmm. So I simply said, I was like, Tony, is this your character who wants to talk to the werewolf? Or do you think you need to talk to the werewolf? Like, you remember that the game is called I Hunt, monster killing in the gig economy, right? Like, are is this just your character's belief or is this your personal belief? Um, and so when we talked about it, he was like, oh, no, it's my character's belief that, like, we could just talk our way through this problem. So I'm like okay align you know we're 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 okay alignment wise we che- like we we did an immediate check-in <clears throat> but again i like i i was like so we're all cool about the monster killing part and he was like yes and i'm like okay when you go to talk to the werewolf it bites you <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it bites you because lesson is you can't talk to the werewolf yeah um <laughs> And I think he had to spend 36 hours or something, 24 hours tied, tied to, to a, a chair, chair yep. <laughs> to make sure that he didn't turn into a werewolf before they, before the players would let him back out in the world. Um, and it was fine, but it was like, and again, it just happened in our, in our, in our uh, more recent session where um, you guys killed a wizard who was terrorizing a poor neighborhood. And, um, and when you killed him, Tony's character also had some, uh, issues and I, you know, we still are going to wind up playing it out to talk about it. Yep. Um, but like the like, it's a wizard, so it was basically a dude. It was a douchey dude. It's a douchey, a dude, very he's douchey a human dude. being, and that created right. the moral dilemma for Tony's character. Like, like, should I really be killing this guy? And it's like, no, no, monster. He's yes. using magic aggressively against us and against this neighborhood to get what he wants. Monster. Mm-hmm he dies <laughs> right yeah. so it was it was it was definitely a thing um 
And and it was and it, again, it was a thing where um, intervening right away, yeah, was the you know was like the correct thing to do. Like I don't care if it disrupted the flow of the game. I don't yeah. like like um, this. To me, that one was a pretty serious mismatch. If Tony had been like, "Oh no, I thought we could totally just talk to the monsters and make them go away," and be like, "No, that's not how this game works." Yeah, like yeah. we may need to revisit if we should play this game or not. But once I kind of ascertained that Tony was. Um, it was just Tony's character and that's not uncommon for Tony's characters. Um, yeah. And especially this one, cause this character complete noob to the monster hunting scene, like had never gone out on a hunt before. I was the seasoned veteran essentially going, we got to go do this thing. And after we did the check-in and reset all the expectations to make sure that everything was, was good. And we we ended up with some great role playing moments because you have this noob going, "I'll just talk to the werewolf," and I'm like, "No, it's going to kill you." <laughs> and then he got bit, and then I had to watch him for 24 to 36 hours with my silver handy ready to kill him if he started to change. And that good. kind of like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> Perhaps I won't try to talk to the monster anymore. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good moment, but it is definitely um, the teaching moment from it is um, at a level of mismatch that I thought we were about to enter into. It was high enough that stopping the game immediately and checking. And this wasn't a safety issue. This was just a mismatch. Right. Pump the brakes. But intervening immediately was the best idea. Yeah. And that's a game where um, I can see that happening to to a lot of groups having that discussion making sure because your characters are going to be having moral dilemma problems throughout that game. Like the, the, and you're supposed to, right? Like that's that's the, the, yeah. yeah. The implication is clear. It's monster hunting in the gig economy. You're out there trying to survive. You're trying to make rent. You're trying to pay for medication by going out and killing monsters. Now you've got this human dude and look like a monster. Looks like a douche. Does that mean he should die? Still a monster, but now on the flip side, somewhere down the road, you're going to run into the, the, you know, the attractive vampire who, uh, is somebody's, um, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, someone's significant other. And it's like, no, no, I only drink animal or animal blood. And like, I don't hurt people. Like, I just want to live. I just want to survive. And, you know, and this person is in love with me and, and it's like, okay, well, do you kill that one? Yeah. Contract's a contract, right? Contract's a contract. And here's the thing about here's the thing about I hunt, right? This is what what I what made me and I'll, and then we'll pull this back yeah. on the topic. This is what made me love this game is that the monster part is not the horror part of the game. No. The horror part is living in the gig economy, Rampant right? It's being and, and yeah, capitalism. It, it's exactly, right? Capitalism is the horror of this game because for just the reason that you said it's like yeah. Well, this vampire is actually operating within the confines of, of society, which is great. But I also took this $5,000 contract and Aunt Sue, you know, needs Aunt Sue needs, a you know, like a new breathing device. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's coming out of you, vampire. Right. Which is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, which oh. is exactly why I like fell in love with this game, because yeah. the concept of it is so smart in that. Um, it plays with your expectations as it goes. <laughs> It does. So we did not talk about that because we talked in. about expectation management today, <laughs> but expectation subversion um, is a very powerful tool, right? Yeah. Subverting expectations is a very powerful yeah. tool. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of it, the way Star Trek uses it in various uh, series. Yep. And we could do a whole, um, I don't know if we could do a whole topic, but we could definitely do a good chunk of a topic on, on subverting expectations. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on to our next question. Yeah. All right, number two. Have you ever had a set expectation turn out to be wrong? Is it it was what you agreed it would be, but not what you expected? I'm going to let Bob answer this. We have the same answer, but this time, since I answered the last one, yeah. you answer this one. Yeah, I, again, I, I, I went through my mental list of, of times where I thought maybe this happened and it came up with the exact same one that Phil did. We decided after having a very successful campaign of uh, Tales from the Loop to advance those characters in age a bit and play them in Things from the Flood. We took our timeline for our version of... of, of, of uh, Sweden, Norway, I forget. Uh, Sweden. Sweden. Um, we advanced everything up and we sat down to play. We like, okay, we know Things from the Flood is a darker game, right? The characters, you can actually get killed, whereas the kids can't get killed in, in, in Tales from the Loop. Um, so there's a there's an extra edge to it. There's a little more darkness to it. But when we sat down and actually started to play, it was so dark. <laughs> The story that we led with about finding one of our classmates dead and then trying to investigate how it happened and 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 just dealing with it. Like, it was so dark. And we just sat and talked about it and went, not ready at this point in time. Like, if, if, if things in the world around us were bright and happy with rainbows and puppies and kittens and sprinkles and, you know, we maybe would have went, okay, yeah, let's keep going. Let's do this. Let's run this game. But everything that was around was just bringing us down. And we're like, no. If I remember correctly, that was like um, mid to late, mid to like, I think it was summer of 2018. Um, It was, was, I mean, we hadn't even hit pandemic, right? (laughs) Like, but, but it was, was and here's the thing about it. We did everything correctly from expectation management point of view. We had multiple discussions about this game is darker than the other game. Yep. This, you know, like this is the nineties version of the game to the eighties version of tales from the loop. Yep. And we're going to deal with more mature topics. And we, we went through a whole cats, um, everything, you know, just dis- discussion about, we went through a whole safety discussion about it. Um, and we were all on board. That expectation was managed, but in a way, also then like when we got into it we were like oh yeah this game's dark this game's dark and then we were like I, I i this is too dark <laughs> like, i can't play this right now um and that definitely um that definitely affected uh the game like it was a perfectly managed expectation we were all on board we were all eyes open to it and in the end it was like a little bit more than we expected yep so um and that's legitimately that is oh, also yeah. a thing that can happen. You can manage the best expectation and then also um have it miss the mark. Yep. And in in that case, we shut down that game not upset or anything. We all um we all were like, okay, well, uh yeah, it's a really dark game and maybe we'll come back to it later. But yeah. you know, I think we all want to play something happier. Yeah. We wrapped it up, we put it up on the shelf and said, maybe we'll go back there someday. I think we went and played uh, masks after that. I think so. <laughs> our, our, you know, which, which we had a great time playing. Cause oh, it was yeah. a, it was a much lighter, completely different time. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is okay. Like that yeah. happens. Jerry, I think uh, you had something else in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I misread the question that, uh, 
I did play a game that the expectation was wrong, but it wasn't what we agreed it would be. It didn't end up being what we agreed it would be. It just, it just, we had an expectation that didn't get there. And I kind of addressed the next question. So I'm just going to say, I really don't, I, I can't think of a game off Cleveland where we set an expectation. The GM took us to that expectation, but it turned out to be not what we expected. I've had plenty of times I've been in games where we set an expectation and then we got to the end and we never got to that expectation. Yeah. A different, that's a different question. Yeah. That's so no. the, and, and yeah. that's the unfulfilled expectation. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, you know, is also difficult, right? Like right. it's, it's difficult when you are wrangling a game to um, it's difficult to get like all the, like, especially like early on in the game, if like everybody puts down their expectations on the table, um, sometimes you get to most of them. Sometimes like, w- like a handful of them, f- like become the, the through line for the game completely unintentionally, right? Yeah. Like no, it just, I, I, was, I was talking about something different where the GM set an expectation out. And we never got that expectation. Like the whole theme of the game was not what was. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah, very was, different. I, I, I'll say, we played a Blue Rose campaign. And Blue Rose is touted as the romance game, the game that has romance. It has romance things in it. And uh, did not see a single romantic interest character for the entire, like, 12, 15 weeks we played the game. Like, there were no characters that were. Um, for the first half of the campaign, it was a little creepy because we were playing, like, late teens so it was there was a limit on what we could get involved with and then when we aged our characters up five years and kept going there were like no character there was like no no chance no characters were coming towards us we'd meet npcs and they were just the most horrendous annoying or really bad like hmm. horrible tropes like this one's got a mother who always misunderstands everything you say and so is this going to be fighting so they're going to like, no we're not interested in any of those and so we never got there and so uh I guess the game might have that mechanic in there, but we only had one player who actually had a romantic interest in the game that, that showed up that was aligned with them. The rest of the time, it was just, we were just kind of wandering around trying to solve mysteries with no clues, and it didn't work out. Um, the game was fun because we had good players, but and, and, and the GM did a good job with the storylines that were there, but we never saw a single romantic interest. Um, same thing happened with 50 Fathoms. We played a 50 Fathoms game. I created a character who's basically a swashbuckling, romantic, seductive, pirate and never came across a, a a remotely compatible character we had a and in both cases i waited way too long to bring it up um, yeah for blue yeah. rose i brought it up towards the end of the game when i was like hey, you know are we ever going to have romantic interest in these characters it's like, oh well we're going to stop the campaign next week Sorry. Well, you know <clears throat> um and that's that's a different thing yeah oh uh, it's a different thing all right and but it's but it legitimately is a yeah. thing right like and yeah. again when we when we started off the show we talked yeah. about things like um implied expectations and things like like you saw the cover of that game that game is touted as the mercedes lackey of of like fantasy games right like it's supposed to be about a particular genre of fantasy um so your expectations going into it are exactly that no this was advertised as the romance role-playing game this is the game about yeah fantasy romances and never had any yeah and that's yeah it's and and like i said that's not the dump on the gm it's just it was it, it, we never got there. Nope, and, I'm 100 percent with you. Yep. And my um, problem was I didn't say anything until much yeah. later. So that's also on me for not saying like, "Hey, are we ever going to encounter romantic interest in these characters?" I, I will say this though: if your game is Blue Rose and you subscribe to the um, Drew Smith um, school of philosophy, like you need to get to the monkey, right? Like yeah. you need to get the romance, like session session one and a half. Like mm-hmm. yeah. you need to have like. You need to have like potential romance interest pushed into the scene 
Um, by by session three, there better be a love triangle going on here. Damn it! <laughs> I have I have heard, mm-hmm. I have heard that there is some pretty excellent advice, and I have not gone and looked at it, but I've heard there's some pretty excellent advice in Thirsty Sword Lesbians about um, <clears throat> romance and games and things like that. So cool. Um, I think part of it is I think, and this is something about um, this is a little, little side note, but hey, we're gonna go there. Um, I think part of it is I don't think, and I've read the rules after we read it again. I think there's any rules for like giving Jim's encouraging like how to do that because I think part of the problem is I don't think that anybody expressed what kind of character would be a romantic interest for their character if you're gonna have a game where you want um you know, messy romances or dramas or whatever and um because we've got uh, a romance drama RPG game expert send it in the in the chat room we might get some information there but um like you need to get that out there, but I think the players and GM both need to talk about that because, like, okay, what kind of character would be a possible love interest for your character? And I know that there's the spark mechanic I think is going to be wonderful for this. But I think games need to address it. Like, and that goes with other expectations. You know, if the players yeah. say, you know, we want to be involved in um, on heists. Well, what kind of heists? You know, are you looking at rescuing people or just stealing from the government? You need to expand on that. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's another topic entirely. So let's jump into question number three before I get yeah. inside that. <clears throat> question number three is, when it comes to dealing with mismatched expectations, what is your comfort zone in how to communicate and deal with them? Yeah, so expectation management is actually a huge part of my day job, right? Like I, I have to spend a large amount of time managing everyone's expectations, right? I have to manage the team's expectations, management's expectations, um, so I'm very comfortable just throwing it out. Um, like if I, if I have a gap in expectations, I'll just put it on the table and, and say it to the group. Like I, it's, I'm not uncomfortable with it, um, uh, in the least. And, you know, because I have to do it all the time. Um, you know, I'm, I, I feel skilled enough that I can bring up my issues, uh, in a way that isn't going to make anyone feel, um, uncomfortable or not safe. Right. Like I, I won't blast people or whatever. I, um, well, you know, point it right at me, right? Like, oh, you know, I, I was, you know, I was under the impression. And if I got it wrong, just let me know um, that, you know, this, this game was about like um, fantasy romance, right? Like, I just like, I won't be like, you said this thing was about fantasy romance yeah, and there's no romance. What's yeah. wrong with you? Right. Like, exactly. like, like I'm, you know, like the, the, the technique for that is to like, turn it on yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So just, like making it as non-threatening as possible like oh i thought like i I was under the impression when we first started like when we were first having our cats discussion that this is a game about fantasy romance and i was just like maybe you've like maybe you've already got plans for that and it just hasn't come up yet but like i'm not like i'm kind of getting anxious about the romance Mm -hmm. part yeah right like that's a like a very disarming way to to Mm -hmm. um to bring it up without making anyone threatened because what happens is um if you make anyone feel threatened, their defenses go up and now you're not having a conversation. No. Right. So um, a lot of this is like, just how do you like disarm, say these things, be candid, but also like you can be candid without hurting people. Like some people take candid as like, well, I can say whatever I want. Well, that's not candid. That's like being an asshole. Um, (laughs) Candid is being able to say things, um, but still being able to say them with kindness. Exactly. All right, Jared, how about you? All right. Um, as a GM, I've gotten to the point now where I just, I'll ask the player, I'll ask where we are, what people want to do. Something simply like, okay, um, before I get into the next, the next uh, storyline, 
where do you guys want the adventure to go from here? You know, what, what are some of the things that you haven't seen yet? What are some of the things you want to do? Um, and so on. Uh, in my, my Eberron campaign, you know, well, you know, this person wants to spend more time at the university researching something. Um, this, these two characters want to have a, a messy romance that's just starting. This person wants to find out more about their missing parents, whatever. That, okay, so that might not be where I was going with the adventure, but now I have, those were things that were added into the game that became expectations. I need to get some of those uh, back on track again. Um, and I'm getting better. I, I used to be shy about letting GMs know what a game wasn't when I expected the game just previously I talked about. Um, nowadays, I'll say something like, you know, um, you know I'd, I'd like to see some, some viable romantic interest for in my character. Um, or... Uh, you know, I'm not sure that any of us are know where we're supposed to go next because um, we've got like six clues and they've all been dead end so far. Are we missing something? You know, something along that line. Um, without you know, put it on, put it back on, on us as a, you know, I'm not seeing this or I'm not I'm not able to do this without making them defensive. Um, and it may be the flip side. They say, well, you know, there's two clues. You, there's two clues you guys skipped over. Oh, great. Okay, we need to go back and look at those again. Or I've been putting characters out there. I didn't realize that they weren't interesting or that sort of thing. You know, you'll get the same side of things. Um, I've discussed before we played in, a, in an online game where the GM thought they were creating amazing characters that were supposed to be giving us all sorts of clues and hints. And the party hated every single one of them and tried to kill multiple multiples of them because we thought they were trying to kill us. And the GM was just being overly pushy and didn't realize it. And once we discussed it, we realized that but that was an expectation we were waiting for people to give us information. The GM was trying to give them to us, but was doing it um, in such a way that, um, you know, it, it ended up looking like a threat. And once we got that straightened out, then the game went much better. So, Bob? Yeah, so I was, um, for years and years and years and years, your prototypical, quiet, shy uh, person never spoke up. Um, there was a stretch not really in the, in the grand scheme of things, not that long ago where I, um, I would let someone bully me at the table on a regular basis and didn't even realize essentially that I was being bullied. Um, but it's, I am so much more comfortable now speaking up than I was even 10 years ago. So my comfort level is pretty good. If, if there's something going on and the, the expectations aren't where they're supposed to be, uh, I'm going to put the hand up and go, hey, <laughs> we need to have this conversation because something's not matching up here. Um, I, I'm more than happy to to interrupt things and be like, all right, we need to have the conversation because conversations have to be had. So, um, yeah, I, I've come a long way in that arena. Um, there, there was a time where I'd be like, you know, oh, this isn't going where I wanted it to go. Mm, oh, well, I guess I'm here for the ride. <laughs> I don't want to cause a conflict by saying something, you know, <laughs> cause the conflict. It's, <laughs> it's worth it in the end. I mean, when done, when done correctly, it doesn't yeah. have to be a conflict, right? Like that's well, I mean, really the... it's, it's a conflict. It, the question is whether or not it's going to be a, um, um, uh, I can't think of the antagonistic conflict or if it's going to be a friendly conflict because conflict is not necessarily having the word is not necessarily sure. negative or positive in and of itself. So, but yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely tell the difference, like, um, you know, and a lot, you know, a, a lot of that has to do with the composure of our game group has changed over the years. And, definitely helped. Yeah. Um, that's definitely helped. I don't know. There was a, I don't know. There was, you've definitely been on an arc 
these seasons of Bob are like pretty good. I like, I really like these. I really like these more recent seasons of Bob. The show, the showrunners do it. The showrunners nice really decided to take <laughs> off and, and, and let some growth happen. So yeah, 10 years ago, you it's would have never had me sitting on a podcast like this, talking to people. Like, no, 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 no. Let alone having designed a few games yeah, and yep. legit stuff. professional game designer. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. So that is our workshop expectation management. Yeah, we hope that uh, as you run your games, um, that you'll find some of this advice helpful. Um, uh, whether you're already in the middle of a campaign and you need to do a check-in and a realignment, or you're getting a new campaign off the ground and you're ready to like set some expectations and take it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the uh, show was what you expected. Oh, hey, that's good. But I'm hey. Dead jokes. Boom. <laughs> Let's check in with the chat room one more time before we head on over to the conversation corner. Um, what are they up to? They've been quiet tonight. They've been enraptured by the discussion and, and pondering my my future in this house, which is. I'm always nervous. Short. I don't know if it's enraptured or bored. <laughs> like that's a, I'm always I'm always worried when that comes up. Like, uh oh, I think they like, were uh, I think they were paying attention, focused, intent, intent. <laughs> we're going to call it that because my fragile ego needs no more jostling. Yes. <laughs> They were they were so focused on Phil's topic that they were. Oh, <laughs> it's terrible. Oh man, terrible! It's just games, people. It's just yeah. games. <laughs> we're all me. here just to play games and have some fun. Try not to hurt each other in the process. Like, yeah, exactly. We. It sounds easy. It's harder than you think. Yep. <laughs> it's, all right. There's well, no. Let's... There is no magic. There is no, no magic, magic to. There is no magic to any of this. It's 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 right. simple conversation talk to people cherry's just leaving He's gone. Nope. hang on i, I have a, nope i have i have a i have a kidney crying at my door to use medicine yes so. kidney needs it <laughs> podcast all right are we so, good to just bounce? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bounce right into the conversation here so let me find the button boom, 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 boom. yeah so uh as we said at the top uh my uh last couple of weeks have been a bit of a blur my housemate moved out all uh major furnishings uh left the building <laughs> a big empty room with a with a recliner and a tv tray in it <laughs> are you gonna uh, take you have a table now i have now have i have table. since purchased a uh, a coffee table and a couple of end tables and and um, and we get moving nice that really that recliner was very comfortable so. yeah so there you go um and yeah and then i uh as soon as that happened it was like all right time to put the house on the market and uh and that whole process went a lot faster than i thought it would had some conversations with the realtor and then it was like all right we're gonna we're gonna ask for this much and we're gonna uh put the thing up on the website uh, on thursday and we're gonna have uh appointments on friday saturday sunday and monday and then uh, offers will be due by tuesday at noon and here it is tuesday and i have offers and i'm like blown away by the volume and numbers (laughs) yeah here here in buffalo it is a it is a seller's market it is amazing it's uh well more of a seller's market than i originally expected wink Mm -hmm. wink so yeah, yeah very happy. that's, uh, I mean, in, in between all of that, I've been still trying to keep up on Voyager, although this past week I didn't do very well. Um, watching my, um, my lunch, um, short form show of Castlevania just finished up season three, which did not 
go as I expected as well. And that was an interesting ending. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Bad Batch and looking forward to Loki tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Like, just so many things going on. Um, so I'm uh, I'm a bit of a, of a flustered mess at the moment. But, hey, you know, these things are what they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see what uh, Jerry's been up with, up to. Oh, it's been a busy two weeks. We did, uh, first of all, I, I finally watched the movie, What We Do in Shadows, which turned out to be just good uh, vampire fun by the uh, by the people who did Thor uh, Ragnarok. Um, it's, if you haven't seen the, the, the show, the, or the movie, it's the one that the TV show is based on. It's about a bunch of vampires living in a house together in modern times. Um, and it's a comedy. So it, it led in well to um, the low stakes role playing game, which simulated uh, that very well. The, the low stakes game just did a good job. It's it's uh, a very simple set of rules. The game lets you set up and pick kind of what your what your particular tropes are going to be about your character. There's play sheets that kind of fit like one character is the peacock, who kind of likes the is all about being you know the flamboyant one, and one character is the troublemaker, and so on. And you can play more than just vampires, and so on. So this game got to be a lot of fun. We had a house full of people um glenn was playing a ghost who was killed by one of us so he was the troublemaker constantly harassing us um so the show was good the game was even better and it really just helped to set up situations in such a way that led um to kind of sitcom style interactions with still some challenges to go and as the game goes on more challenges keep stacking up so it's a good game um went over to bob's house and we did movie night and i watched uh the, the Wuxia movie, uh, Seven Swords, so and uh, so good, a lot of fun. Um, and then, Bob, we discussed that I, I had never seen The Man with the Iron Fists, which keeps getting bad reviews, and I, saw, I, thought, I thought for a movie that was obviously an homage and slight parody of martial arts films, it did it very, very well. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, watched The Bad Batch, I've been enjoying The Bad Batch, except for this past uh, this past week's episode which those of you who have followed me on facebook will know that i i have an issue with the, the characters they brought back um and uh got, i got to play our savage Eberron game which we haven't played in over two months so getting the game jump started again was a lot of fun um got a chance to have some good interaction it's uh it's it's an investigation murder mystery which are always difficult for me to run but i've got three good players who just kind of create their own encounters in such a way that help me kind of get the clues out there and that worked out really well. And lastly, we had our first uh, dinner. Bob and Chris and I uh, got together this weekend, and we had uh, a dinner on Saturday and went out to a Mexican place I've never been to called Don Juan, which was really good. But just to sit and talk to people outside and chat with uh, a bunch of vaccinated friends. And then that night, Chris and uh, his partner, Jen, and her sister, Bridget, and I sit down and play board games and it was fun to play a board game with somebody in person um so it just it's it's like there's a level of normality among our friends that's, that's getting there and i really like that a lot so uh despite how stressful and hectic the last three weeks have been and are planning to be for the next month with uh new employees and everything um my social life has been a lot more fun with my friends it's been really good so bill uh yeah i i didn't do any of that stuff um yeah, I got a lot of uh, things going on. Like I said before, I was going to vague about it earlier, and I'm going to continue to vague about it for a little bit um, until I'm ready to t- talk about it on the show in the next couple of weeks. But I have a lot of personal stuff going on. Um, I've actually suspended 
all of my games um, for probably the next couple months. Um, so um, I haven't really done anything. Um, I did go out um, on Sunday to hang out with Bob, um, Glenn and Tony, instead of uh, playing I hunt, uh, we got together at Bob's place, uh, which was nice. Um, in the few times a week, I have a little free time. I've been playing a new Minecraft mod pack called Sky Odyssey, um, which is pretty interesting. It's a uh, Skyblock. Um, it's a Skyblock mod with um, some really interesting progressions in it um, that I haven't done before. So uh, early EMC is a really interesting way to to play a game. Um, and I'm kind of following along. I'm watching um, this YouTuber called Chosen Architect um, who's playing through it as well. So I'm kind of getting some tips and hints on um, on how to play parts of it. But it's definitely it's a 112 pack, um, 112 pl- pack with some of um, some other favorite hits uh, in it. Uh, but EMC is an early um, EMC is an early game option. Um, is a real game changer. Um, and, and Skyblock is interesting because you start basically on a small island and there's nothing else in the world. Um, so you have to like make everything. Um, but it's fun. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, there is no exploration in it. It's all problem solving. It's all just using the technologies in the game, um, to solve out your problems. And it's from FTB. Um, so they do some pretty cool things. It's got a quest pack in it so that um, you actually play through and like uh, build certain things and do certain things and you get rewards for it. Um, and the rewards this time, instead of random items are this um, currency that you can then go to the market and buy items um, that you might want in the game. Some of them are like early items that you might need like ores, because again, you live on a small dirt island, you can't mine anything. So, um, you know, you need to buy iron ore to get your first bar of iron. But then um, with EMC, once you've learned how to make, like once you've made iron once, you can just put it in your EMC table and just make as much iron as you need, provided you have the power, like provided you have the EMC for it. Um, So that's interesting. Uh, The coin thing's really cool. At the upper levels, you can use it to buy creative items. Um, So you can actually like really like reach beyond um, the game and it's got some, the progression's got this really bonkers end game, um, that, um, if you can achieve it, you actually get let into the regular world. Um, that's the end game for it is like, you have to like build like a massive amount of power and a massive amount of other stuff, uh, in order to build this portal that will let you back into the overworld from the sky world that you're trapped in. Um, so anyway, it's, um, it's fun. I haven't had really a lot of time to play it. I've been playing it sporadically. Um, but when I do get to play it, it's been enjoyable. So um, I'm trying to. I just I either have been too tired in the evenings to play um, or I've been doing stuff um, uh, in the evenings as well. I'm still watching the blacklist. It's getting a little shaky as I've hit season four. Um, I don't know how much longer it holds together. I think it's going to I feel like it's going to jump the shark any minute now. Um, but it hasn't yet. Uh, and Spader's still pretty awesome. So I'm just kind of hanging in there, um, as long as I can. Um, and I'm watching Voyager. Uh, so that's good. Um, I don't know. Not much else is going on. Um, I paid off my student loans today. That, that was, that was cool. Um, those are gone. That's the largest check I've had to write in a decade or two. Um, but, 
I am I am for the first time since the nineties without a student loan. So uh there's gotta be something for that. It's a good feeling when you when you notice that that thing is gone forever and you don't have to worry about that payment. Yeah, I mean, I'll wait to get the paperwork, but uh, uh, it hasn't quite sunk in yet other than the massive hit that yeah. writing that uh, check yeah. um, took. But it was very necessary in the in the scope of things to come. Um, so it's done um, and I no longer have a student loan payment. There's got to be some good in that. Anyway, um, yeah, that's me. We can we can get ready to roll out of here. All right. Once again, thank you to all of our patrons who graciously donate money to us every month. In particular, tonight, this list, starting with Jim Fitzpatrick, Joseph Peralta, Carl Halperin, Michael Dinos, Michael Draper, my Brett, not my personal Brett, someone's Brett, um, Ninjabi, The Rainmaker, Richard Ruain, and Rory McLeod. And thanks to everyone for listening tonight and joining us in the chat room. If you are free on Tuesday evenings between 8 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. the Queen's time and uh, now, which is like 9, 10-ish, um, come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with the other awesome listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. But if you can't make it to the live show, come check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, take a listen to some of the other shows in the search of Mark Networks, which is There are Super Geeks starting June 17th. Mastery Dungeons, Bone Sword Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panis Talking Game, The Gnome Cast, Dangu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. After you have realized that none of the expectations for tonight's episodes were met, um, leave us some feedback. Uh, you can reach us directly via email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. You can hit up the Twitters. The show, the network, is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash mmp. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle. And bonus experiences at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Design. Mic drop. We out.